0: This is Health Yeah, your weekly update on what's going on in the health, wellness, and medical world with Monica Robbins.
1: Every June, we observe Autistic Pride Day where people who've been diagnosed with ASD or autistic spectrum disorder can celebrate their neurodiversity and differences. We want to celebrate right along with them. So in honor, today we are talking all things autism. We will share the medical numbers and statistics, tell you the signs and symptoms and risk factors for being diagnosed with autism, but we'll also hear from experts who have found exciting new treatments and therapies and from parents who share success stories of kids triumphing over their medical diagnosis and thriving. It's all ahead on this special edition of Prescription for Life. Welcome to Prescription for Life, I'm Monica Robbins. You've likely heard the statistics. One out of 36 kids will be diagnosed with ASD, or Autism Spectrum Disorder. Boys are four times more likely to be diagnosed than girls. We'll talk to an expert about why this is and what signs parents should be looking for and why early diagnosis is so key. What resources are available for parents and kids alike? But first, an autism diagnosis is a very scary thing for parents. Those early days come with a lot of fear of the unknown. Will my child learn and grow and be accepted? How will his or her life be different? That's how one grandmother felt when her little grandson was diagnosed. But thanks to his therapist and ABA, Applied Behavior Analysis, he's making amazing strides. Take a look at this report from our Denver station, KUSA.
2: Get the play-doh, put it up here. What looks like playtime... do circles. Is actually part... Count. Of a daily schedule. One, two, three, four. Good job. Three-year-old Bubba does just that with his behavioral therapist, Amanda Bravo. I
3: think kids learn better through play.
2: 10 hours a week.
3: Put in. Put in.
2: And the place he's at now is far from where he was six months ago.
3: Bubba has been in therapy since September.
2: Bubba's grandma, Nicole Taylor, has been with him every step of the way.
3: Before we got introduced to Firefly, Bubba grew up as a, just like, you know, he met all his milestones, he was developing normally, and uh, then one day he just stopped talking.
2: He was tested. Blue. Blue. And was on the autism spectrum. Brown. I was, of
3: course, you know, in my head, my worst fears were, you know, was he going to be bullied? Was he not going to have a productive life? Was he going to have to live with somebody his entire life?
2: Bubba is on a waiting list for the Firefly School. And while he waits, let's do L. Home based program with ABA has kept him thriving.
3: It's really working on those, like, functional life skills. (laughs) And with communicating, helping him to communicate and just helping him get prepared for school. It's like all of a sudden he had this aha moment. He was getting this first sounds and then he started getting ending sounds. We were watching Monsters Inc the other day, he and I and the opening credits were happening and the doors were coming across the screen and he was telling me door and he'd say the color.
2: That was only part of his breakthrough.
3: And he kind of looked at me like this inquisitive look and I thought, I just wonder what you're thinking. Then he pointed to the front door and he goes, door. And I'm like, okay, I get it, I get it. And you want me to understand that you get it and yes. that was just amazing you know, it, it, he gets it. Which one's not? Very good.
2: Grandma sees the progression and knows his potential.
3: Hey Bubba where's your hands? Good job.
2: But still sometimes right. those questions of uncertainty pop up.
3: What challenges is he gonna have as an adult as a teenager you know what's high school gonna be like for him just you know, all the normal things you look forward to and your grandchildren, uh, you know, the highlights,
2: will he graduate? But the answers? Hey, what color? Always follow. Ooh, blue. With photojournalist Matthew Bell. There you go. I'm Eddie Randall. Good job. Nine News. So what do you do
1: if your child or grandchild is diagnosed with autism? We turn to Cleveland Clinic for answers to all of your questions. Take a look. We are joined now by Cleveland Clinic behavior analyst Keata Graver. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So we're talking about autism, and now we know there is the autism spectrum disorder, or
0: ASD. What does that include? So autism spectrum disorder is characterized by a couple of different things. So a big one is deficits in social communication. So individuals might have difficulty reading nonverbal language or understanding communication or communicating in the same way that we do. And then there's also kind of the other piece, which is restricted and repetitive behavior. So sometimes you see individuals who might, you know, have that body rocking or that might, you know, when they're playing, they might line up cars and they have insistence on sameness or routine. So really it's a broad, um, like you said, a spectrum disorder. So it's covering a broad range of different characteristics. So my
1: understanding is one in 36 kids will be diagnosed with ASD. That sounds really high, and the numbers seem to keep rising. Are we figuring
0: out a cause now, or are we just getting better at diagnosing? So a little bit of both. In about 10 to 20% of diagnosed autism cases, there is a genetic component that can be identified uh, through genetic testing. With other cases, there might be environmental factors at play, but we are getting better at diagnosing because A, we're more aware of what those signs and symptoms of autism are. We're looking for it younger, and more people are actually seeking out the diagnosis when they start to notice something might be different about their child. So why does it seem more boys get diagnosed than girls? So that's a really good question. Um, the, The general answer is There's a lot of different reasons, but we can't pinpoint just one. One of the main thoughts right now is that if you think about chromosomes, females all have xx chromosomes males have xy chromosomes and they're saying that that y chromosome might be something that's impacting the difference but the more the less exciting answer is at this time it's still kind of up in the air so we went through this whole
1: vaccine issue and a lot of parents were afraid to get their kids their general vaccines is that still an issue and can you talk about the background of that and
0: where where are we now so I think a lot of it was related to a specific vaccine and a specific ingredient in that vaccine. Now that is a vaccine that is given around one year of age, which is around the time that you can start to notice some of the signs of autism. So with everything, correlation does not imply causation, but it, you know, the ingredient that everyone was concerned about has not even been in those vaccines for decades. So I think it was a lot of that, you know, there's a lot of excitement when you read something online and there wasn't really a lot of data to back it up. Since then, there have been multiple studies disproving that, so vaccines are safe. There is no link to vaccines causing autism. And it's just kind of the timing of that, those early childhood vaccines are along the same time that You notice those symptoms. Well, I would think too that a parent wants to be able
1: to blame something or explain something.
0: Yeah, it's really hard because a lot of times, you know, if a child falls and scrapes their knee, you know what happened, you know how that got there. With autism, there's a lot of unknowns, you know, again, with describing it, there's, there's different characteristics and there's different categories and there's, you know, different things that, you know, one individual with autism might have that another one doesn't even when you're diagnosed, there's not a clear cut. Here's what you do. You know, you go to Dr. A and you follow up here. It's kind of all very broad. So I think that that's one of those things you're right to pinpoint it and to have a better understanding. We're always trying to find out the why. And that was just an easy way. So are there risk factors that parents need to to
1: be aware of? You talked about genetics, um, but is that something a parent can even
0: you know, test for ahead of time? Yeah, so it depends. Like I said, in those 10 to 20% of cases where there is a genetic component, families can definitely have genetic testing done on themselves to see if they are, you know, carriers for a certain gene mutation or something that might get passed along. Um, Actually, with individuals with autism, they you know, if the parents decide to have a second child, that child is 20% more likely. And I think it's for the third child, if both of those siblings have autism, the third child is 32% more likely to be diagnosed with autism. So you do see a lot of siblings. So there is that hereditary genetic factor, risk factors. Um, maternal paternal age um, is something that is more noticeable. A certain prescription medications that a mother takes during pregnancy can have an impact. So it's it's really hard to say avoid something or, you know, here's here's things that could predispose you to it, but just kind of talking to your primary care physician, talking to your doctor and seeing if there's anything specifically to avoid. So it's always best to get that information from your primary care physician or your doctor. Or you're, if you're getting pregnant, your are yeah, ob will, And I would assume all
1: of that information is readily available for especially somebody who's a little older who's deciding to, to
0: have a child. Yeah, and it's always better to ask, you know, when, if you are pregnant, just because that information changes all the time and you want the most up-to-date information.
1: We know that the earlier you diagnose it, the better off the child is. But most kids still aren't diagnosed before
0: age four. Is that too late? It's never too late. Um, It's so hard as a parent because... You know, we see kids all the time where they come and it seems like maybe they just had a little bit of a speech delay and they didn't really show any other signs of autism. And then as they grew up, it kind of became more noticeable that, you know, maybe they were showing some of those repetitive behaviors. They were, you know, spinning the wheels on their toy cars and watching them versus playing with the cars. So it's hard because maybe that parent did seek out, you know, some kind of evaluation and then they were told, you know, no, it's something else. And then as they get older, you kind of notice the differences a little bit more. So that's one thing. And also I think that we are making a big push right now to identify or diagnose autism earlier. And that starts at those, you know, or as early as your six month well check with, with babies. So how early did the signs actually show up that
1: you might notice something is weird? Or can you, um, can you actually, as a
0: parent, start doing these checks earlier? Yeah, so I, the first thing I always tell families if they're unsure is that you, as a mother, as a father, as a parent, as a caregiver, you might have a gut instinct and there just might be something telling you, this is different or I need to get this checked out. So always, always, always bring that up with your provider. Around six months of age, babies start to have that kind of social smile. They might look towards their caregiver. They might start turning when they hear a familiar voice or their name. And some kids with autism don't do that. So around six months, you can start noticing those little tiny things, but again, they're babies, so it's hard. So as they grow up, you might start noticing some more difficulties and, you know, maybe they don't have any words by 16 months, or maybe they're not looking towards the person talking to them or, you know, seeking out help from someone or unaware of people in the room. So usually by about 18 months, uh, a trained, you know, a psychologist or a developmental pediatrician, a developmental pediatrician is able to, Begin the diagnostic process then. So really by, you know, 18 months, 18 months to three years is kind of the the key time. So if you get the diagnosis, what are the treatment options? So this is another thing where it's not just, you know, here is your specified plan. There are many different treatment options. So a lot of common therapies that are recommended are behavior therapy or applied behavior analysis, speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy. Some children might need feeding or they might have a social work referral for kind of seeing what supports are available to the family. So it's all dependent on the needs of that individual child, you know, the level of support they require at that time, which can change throughout the lifespan. Um, But it's really, you never see a child who just has one treatment. It's always a package treatment where, you know, behavior team might be working with speech and then everyone's communicating with school. So it's really a team approach. So where should a parent get legitimate, solid,
1: trustworthy information when there's so much information already out there?
0: Yes. It's very hard sometimes to know what is, what is a trustworthy source and what is not. The first thing I always recommend is talking to your child's pediatrician, talking to their primary care provider, because they'll be able to put you in contact with not just credible sources, but local resources as well. Um, You know, I always recommend checking out the Cleveland Clinic's website. They have really great information there about autism and different programming available for autism, but really talking to the providers in your area to see what is available, what they recommend, and really having that open line of communication.
1: And finally, what is your best advice for a parent who has a newly diagnosed child?
0: (laughs) That, The child that is newly diagnosed, right? You took your son, your daughter in for testing, and now they have this diagnosis. That is the same child they were the day before. They have this diagnosis. They have this, you know, label applied to them now, but it doesn't change who they are. It doesn't change that, you know, they're the child that you, you loved on Monday, and now it's Tuesday. So it's kind of hard. It's a big, it's, it's big to hear that news that your child has this diagnosis because again, you don't know what the next steps are. And it's very hard to accept that sometimes, or you know, even if you kind of know, hearing someone say it can be very difficult. So that's, that's what I always tell families is, they're still the same child. This just gives us information. It's a tool. We know that we have to find a different way to help them learn. We maybe approach things differently with them. So it's kind of just a tool to have in your tool belt to have, help you approach them, you know, in a way that's going to be meaningful and helpful to them, but they're still the same kid. And the bottom line is they, it's it's just a matter of the way you communicate, right? Yes. So figuring out how to speak their language. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, once you do that, the first time they reach out to your reach out to a parent or point to something they want or use their first word. I mean, even for us, it's it's amazing to see. And um, it's just, it's incredible. All right, Kiata Graver, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Now there is still a lot we don't know about autism, but doctors and researchers are trying to change all that. As we've discussed today, Early detection is critical, but often not easy to do. Some researchers at the University of Virginia are trying to change all that and make it possible for kids to be diagnosed as babies. Take a look at this report from our Norfolk station, WVEC.
4: Laura Hales is mom to two boys on the autism spectrum.
3: Noah Hales is 12. Leo Hales is six, almost seven. My youngest was diagnosed when he was three and a half.
4: My oldest son Noah was five. The children's book author and autism awareness advocate says her family has learned a lot about the disorder since her sons were diagnosed. We knew who to contact. We knew not to waste any time. We
3: knew to be very persistent with physicians with um, therapies and getting everybody
4: involved. That may be possible in the future with a study at the University of Virginia. So
3: autism currently can't be diagnosed reliably until at the very earliest
0: 18 months of age, but typically it happens closer to two or even average in the United
3: States is five years of age. There is currently no testing that happens at the newborn stage um, or even the first year of life, so We really are missing out on the
4: opportunity to potentially intervene. Dr. Megan Puglia, a neurologist at UVA, performs various tests with babies born full term and no family history of neurodevelopmental disorder. Their brain activity is then measured through sensors embedded in a tiny cap, effectively an EEG. As the brain is getting input, that's what kind of helps it develop in the way that it's going to develop. The goal is to find markers in the brain that could indicate autism leading to earlier diagnosis. Dr. Puglia hopes the data helps create new social development growth charts for children and ultimately a first-of-its-kind universal autism test for newborns. The goal here is definitely not to
0: cure autism, um, but to really just help everyone maximize
4: their optimal outcomes. A desire shared by Laura, who celebrates her son's differences and hopes others learn to embrace them too.
3: If I knew that my kids and other autistic individuals could live honestly and be accepted. I would be able to think about, you know, getting my kids more active and thriving instead of surviving.
1: Not just surviving, but thriving. That's what all parents want for their children. And that's what we especially want for kids on the autism spectrum. Not just on Autistic Pride Day, but every day. So we hope you learned a little something about autism spectrum disorder today. And we hope you join us right back here next week for another episode of Prescription for Life. I'm Monica Robbins wishing you and yours good health. Thank you so much for tuning into Health Yeah. Please find me on Twitter and Instagram at Monica Robbins. Like and follow my Facebook page, Monica Robbins WKYC. Find video podcasts at Monica Robbins Channel on YouTube. And please subscribe. Wishing you great health and hope to see you again soon.
0: Thanks for listening to Health Yeah with Monica
4: Robbins from WKYC Studios.